things, Lord, that you would have me to say, and to say them the way you would have me to say them. And Father, I'm afraid that the concept that I want us to study out tonight could be taken the wrong way, could be taken offensively, and I pray that these dear people would understand the heart uh, from which I'm trying to teach tonight's lesson, Lord, and that they would uh, just know that it's not meant to hurt anybody's feelings, it's, it's meant to, to teach truth from the Word of God, we're in Matthew chapter 4. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach with the right spirit, Lord, to preach... Uh, to, to make sense, Lord, and sometimes we just need your Holy Spirit to help us. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're there in Matthew chapter number 4, and if you remember, we did something a little different on Sunday night. I, I needed uh, uh, a little bit of time to be able to uh, begin our new series on Sunday night. So, on Sunday night, even though we're normally preaching through Matthew, on Wednesday night, on Sunday night, we were in Matthew chapter 4, and we dealt with that first passage of uh, the first part of the chapter with the temptation of Jesus Christ when Satan came to Jesus and tempted him. Uh, so since we dealt with that on Sunday night, we'll begin tonight in verse number 12. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 12. Now, actually, go down to verse 17. I showed you this on, on Sunday night, but I want to show it to you again. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus begins His ministry. In verse 17, the Bible says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Alright? So, up to this point, we've been learning about Jesus. We saw His childhood, we saw His birth, his, uh, all of that. Uh, and, and then we saw Him get baptized, because He needs to be baptized before He could begin the ministry. We saw Him go into the wilderness last uh, Sunday night and be tempted of the devil. And of course, we understand that oftentimes before God uses you, He needs to take you through the wilderness and, and test you and prepare you there. And now, Jesus is beginning His ministry. And I want you to understand something about the ministry of Jesus Christ. And something that we at Verity Baptist Church attempt to pattern ourselves by the ministry of Christ. We left off in verse number 11 on Sunday night. So if you look at verse 12, the Bible says, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Nephilim. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, and here's a quote from the book of Isaiah, verse 15, The land of Zebulun, the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. I want you to notice this about Jesus. I want you to notice this about the ministry of Christ, verse 16. The people, notice the people that he went out to reach. The people which sat in darkness. Do you see that? He went to those that were in darkness, and when He went to those that were in darkness, notice what they saw. Great light. you see that? Amen. And to them which sat in the regions of the shadow, notice the word shadow, of death. Do you see that? Do these words sound like positive words? Darkness, shadow, death. But notice when He shows up, light is sprung up. And then verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now keep your finger there in Matthew 4. Go with me to Luke chapter number 7. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 7. I want you to understand this. When Jesus started His ministry, and throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ, 
He primarily went and spent most of his time dealing with the people that sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. He went to those that were in bondage. He went to those that were in darkness. He went to those that were hurting, those that were suffering, those that were sick, those that were lonely. Look look at Luke chapter number 7, verse 22. And Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard. Now notice, he said, These are the things you have heard of my ministry. And we saw this recently, but I want you to see it again. This is Jesus describing His own ministry. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And notice this, to the poor, the gospel is preached. Jesus went to those that were physically sick, spiritually sick, physically poor, spiritually poor. He went to those that really honestly could not do a lot to help Him. Do you understand that? He went to those that were in darkness. He went to those that were in bondage. He went to those that were in shadows, in death. Go to Luke chapter 5. Look at verse 30. Luke chapter 5, verse 30. Luke chapter number 5, verse number 30. Luke chapter 5 and verse 3, the Bible says, But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against His disciples, saying... Now notice what they, what they complain. Notice the complaint of the ministry of Christ. Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Then why is your church filled with publicans and sinners? Why is your ministry dedicated to these people, to these commoners, to these people that are in darkness, that are in shadow, that are in bondage, that are in uh, sickness, that cannot do? He said, why do you deal with these people? Verse 31, And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are holy, not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. The ministry of Christ was focused on the poor, on the needy, on the sick, on the sin sick. And I'm here to tell you that the ministry of every Baptist church ought to be the same way. Amen. Our ministry is to reach out into this community and find those that are hurting, that are in darkness, that are in shadows, that are in death. Do you know that there's a lot of people in this community in Northgate that are in bondage to drugs and alcohol and all sorts of different things. They're living their life in death and shadows and darkness. And our job is to go out and find them and reach them and win them to Christ and teach them the Bible and give them hope and love. And look, you, gotta, you should never look down on an individual... That walks into this church because they may not be dressed the way you think they should be dressed or act the way you think that they should act. Jesus went to those that people would look down on. Jesus went to those that could quite honestly do nothing to help him. Oftentimes he'd heal them and never see them again. And I want you to understand that that's what our ministry is about. We're here to reach the poor and the blind and the lame and the sick, those in death, those in bondage. Jesus started His ministry out of vision for those that could not help Him, and we ought to have a vision for those that honestly can't do a lot for us. But with that said, Jesus understood one thing. Go back to Matthew chapter 4. Let me show you. Jesus begins His ministry... And for the most part, deals with people in need. But Jesus understood this one thing. If He was going to reach the poor and the needy, 
If he was going to have a ministry to those that were lame and blind and sick and poor, he understood that he was going to need some help. And if you look at Matthew chapter 17, the, uh, chapter 4, excuse me, verse 17, the Bible says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At verse 17, Jesus begins to deal with those you know, that, that the, our, our community might look at as, as those that maybe aren't that productive. Jesus, you know, Jesus was not afraid to walk down the street and, and, and give the gospel to a gangster. He was not afraid to to walk down the street and and give the gospel to the drug dealer or the drug addict or the the homeless person. Look, we ought to reach out to the homeless. We ought to love the people in this community that others may look down at. But you know what Jesus did? The, The thing that pops out to me from this passage. In verse 17, Jesus begins His ministry, began to preach. So what's the first thing He does in verse 18? Look what it says. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren... Simon, called Peter, here we have the Apostle Peter, and Andrew, his brother, the Apostle Andrew, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Look at verse 20. And straightway left their net and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left their ship and their fathers and followed him. I want you to understand this. Jesus reached out to the poor, to the blind, to the lame, to the weak, to to those that could do nothing for Him. But here's what you got to understand. When Jesus started His ministry, He went to the ghettos, He went to the lower class sections, He won those people to Christ, He loved those people, but you know who He enlisted to help Him reach those people? The middle class. He finds Peter, He finds Andrew, He finds James, He finds John, and where does he find them? Honestly, look at the passage. Where does he find them? At work. They're working. They're fishermen. Do you see that? Look at verse 19. Look at verse 18. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother. Look what it says. Casting a net into the sea. They were at work. For they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Verse 21. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father. What are they doing? They're fishermen. They're at work. Mending their nets. They're working. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. You need to understand this about the Bible. Everybody that God used in a mighty way was what we would consider a middle class individual. Think about it. Go, go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Think about this. God had to choose a man to raise the Lord Jesus Christ. And who did He choose? Did He, did he choose a poor man? Did He choose a rich man? No. Who would he, would he choose? A working class man. A carpenter. Joseph, a carpenter, was chosen by God to raise His Son, Jesus Christ. Are you there in Matthew 13? Look at verse 45. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? When they looked at Jesus, they said, look, this is the carpenter's son. You got to understand this. You say, did Jesus come from a poor family? No, Jesus came from a middle class family. Go to Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 9. We saw that God, or we, we saw there that Jesus chose Peter, Andrew, James and John. They were all fishermen. 
Look at, look at Matthew chapter 9. Look at verse 9. Here we hear how Matthew was chosen. Matthew, the writer of the book of Matthew, the Bible says, Matthew 9, 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew. Look what he was doing, sitting at the receipt of custom. Matthew was a tax collector. It's interesting to me that when Jesus was choosing his disciples, he found them all at work. He's, he's at the job. He's sitting at the receipt of custom. And he says unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Go to Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 36. We have Peter, James, John. Fishermen. We have Joseph, a carpenter. We have Matthew, a tax collector. We got uh, Barnabas. Look at Barnabas, Acts chapter 4, look at verse 36. Acts chapter 4, verse 36. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, look what it says about Barnabas. Having land, sold it. You say, what was he? I don't know, a real estate developer? <laughs> a landowner? He had land and he sold it. And brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. He had land, he sold it, and he gave it in a special offering so they could purchase a building. I don't know. Go to Acts 18, look at verse 1. Acts 18, look at verse 1. Acts 18, verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. And found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, and his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to, to depart from Rome, and came unto them. Acts 18, look at verse 3. Acts 18, verse 3. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought. The word wrought means work. Why? For by their occupation they were tent makers. Here's the a, here's a point I'm trying to make. Go, go to Colossians chapter 4. Let me just show you this one. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. You ever heard of a, of a man named Luke? He wrote the gospel according to Luke. He wrote the book of Acts. Colossians chapter 4. Look what the Bible says about Luke. Colossians chapter 4. Look at verse 14. Colossians 4.14. 4, Luke, the beloved physician. Here you got a doctor. And demons greet you. I, I'm just trying to bring something to your attention. That Jesus, when He wanted to get somebody saved, when He wanted to reach out to somebody, when He wanted to love somebody, when He wanted to help somebody, He went to the poor, He went to the blind, He went to the lame, He went to those in bondage, those in death, those that, those that could not do anything for Him. But when He was enlisting workers to help Him, He went to what you and I would call the middle class. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, fishermen. Joseph, a carpenter. Matthew, a tax collector. Barnabas, a landowner. Paul, a tent maker. Luke, a physician. Judas. I don't know, I think he was an accountant for the Obama administration or something. Yeah, that's right. See, what you need to understand is this. It is not right for us... To focus our attention on the poor. And look, I'm, I'm the number one person here, around here that preaches that we need to reach to the poor and not look down on them. But you know what? While we're reaching out to the poor, while we're reaching out to the homeless, while we're reaching out to the drug addict, while we're reaching out to those that need help, that are in bondage, we need to also realize that we need to have a vision for the middle class. We need to have a vision for the working man. We need, see, you need to understand this. And, 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 I don't know, and I hope you understand the heart from which I'm saying this. 
But Verity Baptist Church is not going to grow, is not going to succeed, is not going to be the church that God needs it to be if we do not get in our minds that we need to go out and reach out to those families that get up and go to work and and maybe they're blue collar, maybe they're white collar, maybe they live in a nicer house than you might want to go sowing in, but you got to understand this. When Jesus looked for people to help him, he was looking at the working class. You know, the biggest, the the toughest lesson that I had as a pastor, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not trying to offend you, and if this offends you, you know, what's new? But, you know, I remember the first year, I remember the first year we did nine chapters a day, the first January. We started this church, September 2010, the first nine chapters a day. What, and, and look, what I'm about to tell you, I, look, I'm just telling you, this is my experience, this is what I've seen. I can't tell you it's 100% for everybody, but it's the truth. I remember we did nine chapters a day. I remember thinking to myself, I wonder who's going to do nine chapters a day. And there was a few people coming to our church at that time. They don't even come to our church anymore. But there was a few people coming to our church at that time who did not work for whatever reason. They were injured. They were on welfare, whatever it was. They didn't work, but they loved God. They were faithful to church. They were faithful to things of God. And I thought to myself, well, surely so-and-so is going gonna, is gonna to do nine chapters a day. And surely so-and-so is going to do nine chapters a day. And surely so-and-so. And then I thought, man, you know, I wonder if so if this person. And I, and I thought, no, nah, they're probably not going to do it because, you know, they're pretty busy. You know, they, they, they have this job. And, you know, and I thought, well, so-and-so is probably not going to do it. You know what I was surprised? That first year, you know, everyone who I thought was going to do nine chapters a day because they had the time to do it, did not do it. And everybody who I thought, like, they have a job, they have this, they have this going on, they got, they don't have enough time to do it. All those people did it. And consistently, that's what it's been. Do you know what the honest truth is? You come here on a Saturday morning, and you'll see who are the most faithful soul winners that come here on Saturday. You think it'd be the people that don't do anything all week long, and, you know, they're looking for an excuse to get out and go do something, but you know it's not. The people that come out soul winning on Saturday morning at Verity Baptist Church are the people that work Monday through Friday, have one day off, and for some reason they get up and they go and, and, and win souls on Saturday. You say, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me either, except for this. When you find people that are already working, then you can put them to work in the things of God. But you got to understand this. A church cannot grow and cannot reach people unless it's got workers and people that are willing to go and do the work. And if we do not get a vision for the middle class American average Joe, average Jay who goes to work, who gets up every day, who's not necessarily just living in the ghetto, we need to get a vision for that person as much as the others. You know what I love about Verity Baptist Church? Is that we have a van that goes out and picks people up for church. Look, you, if you live in the Natomas area, you have no excuse tonight. We will literally go to your front door, sometimes even pick you up, and bring you in. We'll take you back. I love that. I love the fact, somebody says, I love to go to church, but I don't have, we'll come pick you up. I love that. You know, one day I would love for us, we have one van. One day I'd love for us to have two vans. One day I'd love for us to have three vans. One day I'd love for us to have ten vans, fifteen. Wouldn't it be great to have a, just a whole fleet of Verity Baptist Church vans going out Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, picking people up who, who want to come to church but don't have the ability to? Wouldn't it be great to just go out and bring people in to the house of God to teach the Bible? Amen. But you know what the truth is? You know what the truth is? Someone's got to pay for the fuel in those vans. Someone's got to pay for the insurance in those vans. Somebody's got to pay for the tires in those vans. 
Somebody's got to pay for the lights in this building. Some you you think we're you you're, you're hopefully you're excited about the fact that we're going to a new building. But let me tell you something: thirty five hundred dollars a month does not get paid with people that put in two or three dollars in the offering plate when it goes by. I'm just being honest with you. Look, I am thankful for every dollar that someone gives to the ministry of Verity Baptist Church. But do you know how Verity Baptist Church continues to exist? By the men and the women that get up Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and faithfully write out their $250, $300, $400 check. I'm here to tell you a church is only as strong as its middle class. See, you say, we want to reach the poor. We need to reach the middle class so we can reach the poor. One day, I would love for our church, I'd love for Radio Baptist Church to have, I'd love for us to purchase some warehouse, put some beds in it, bring some homeless people in, teach them how to get up early and work hard and, and help them. But you know, that's not going to happen if all we're doing is reaching homeless. Pastor Jimenez, I'd love for us to reach the homeless. We've got to reach the homeowner to reach the homeless. I don't think this is very loving. You've got to understand this. It's just practicality. Someone's got to pay the bills. Someone's got to do the work. Someone's got to be able to be in a position in life. And Jesus had a heart and a mindset for those that were in darkness and in death and in the shadows. But when He was looking for workers, He said, hey Peter, you're working hard, why don't you come work for me? Hey, Andrew, you're working hard, why don't you come? Hey, tax collector, you're working hard for the government, why don't you come work for me? Hey, tent maker Paul, why don't you quit making those tents? Or better yet, just do that on the side and come preach the gospel for me. I'm here to tell you, if Verity Baptist Church is going to survive, we're going to have to get a vision for the middle class. That's the truth. A vision for the middle class. I keep your finger there, but go, go to First Samuel. I want to show you something. First Samuel chapter 22 in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 22 in the Old Testament. I want to help the unwed mother. I want to help those that are struggling in life. I want our church to be a place, a lighthouse where people can come and be loved and be treated like everyone else and have the gospel preached to them and have people pray for them. But I'm here to tell you, if we're going to do it, we're going to have to reach the middle class. Jesus understood that. He said, I'm going to go to the darkness, to the death, to the shadows. And he said, I'm going to bring these working guys with me to help me do it. I want you to understand something, okay? And let me just give you a little insight into the philosophy of Pastor Roger Jimenez and the ministry here at Ready Baptist Church. We are to reach those that, whose lives may be a mess. We are to love them and care for them and be there for them. And I, I, every time I read this, it just this, this idea pops into my head. Are you there in 1 Samuel 22? Look at verse number 1. I want you to see David. Remember David? He was running from Saul. The Bible says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down hither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. That's a motley crew. And there were with him about 400 men. David runs into the wilderness. 400 men follow him. And here's how the Bible uh, describes him. Distressed, dead, discontented. 
If you like to write in your Bible, you can write next to 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. You just write the word Verity Baptist Church. Say, so who are we trying to reach? Those that are in distress, those that are in debt, those that are discontented. Why? Because those are the ones that are looking for someone to help them. So they're looking for truth. They're open to the gospel. But I want you to understand this. When these men who were in distress, who were discontented, who were in debt, came to David, David became their captain, David became their leader, and David did not allow them to stay in the state of discontent and distress and debt. In fact, I want you to see what David did with these men. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23. See, my whole life I heard about this, these warriors in the Bible. These men that David had under him. Have you ever, who's ever heard of the term, David's mighty men? If you've never heard of David's mighty men, let me introduce you to some of them. 2 Samuel chapter 23, look at verse number 8. 2 Samuel 23, 8. The Bible says, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. Do you see that? The Tacnamite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino, the Esdite. Now look what it says about this man. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. This guy took one spear and killed 800 men in one battle. Is that tough? It's better than any Hollywood movie. But it was nine. And after him, these are David's mighty men, was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when he defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose, look what this guy did, and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. This guy, the Bible says he, he reached for the sword and he was engaged in battle so long that he literally could not let go of it. Here's a good spiritual application for you. Some of you need to reach for your spiritual sword, the Word of God, engage in battle and do it so long that you can't let go of it. Amen. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil. Look at verse 11. And after him was Shema, the son of Achi, the Harite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines. Verse 12. And he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. Here you have a guy who said, I'm not moving. This is my ground. If you want to take it, come and get it. And he killed the men and defended the ground. Hey, it'd be good to have some men like that. This is my position. I'm not moving. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Remember that for Sunday morning? That's what these men were. He stood in the midst of the God and defeated. This is a mighty man. He said, this is where I stand. I am not going back. I am not going to go back into the world. He said, I'm not going to slide back. He said, this is my position. This is my stand. I'm going to defend it. You want a piece of me? Come on. Look at what it says, verse 12. And the Lord wrought a great victory. These are David's mighty men. Look at verse 13. And three of the thirty chiefs went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam, and the troops of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephim. And David was in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David is here, you know, in, in battle. The Bible says he's in a hold. He, 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 he's kind of in a position where he's just trying to, 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 to fight them off and survive, not really advancing, but just keeping his own. Look at verse 15. And David longed and said, Oh, 
that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. They're in this battle. He's in this gate. He's holding his own. He, he can't go. And, and he just makes the same. He said, man, I wish I could just get some water from Bethlehem. The water from Bethlehem just tastes better than anything else. And look at what these men did. Verse 16. They overheard that. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink, but poured it unto the Lord. These mighty men, David said, I wish I could have some water from Bethlehem. And they literally broke through the Philistines to get a glass of water for their leader, David. And David said, I can't drink this water. I mean, this is, you guys gave your life. And, and he poured it as an offering to the Lord. These were mighty men. Look at verse 17. And he said, Be apart from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of these men that went and jeoparded uh, uh, of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. Look at verse 18. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zerariah, was chief among the three. And he lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them. Here you have a guy who with one spear slew three hundred men. And had the name among the three. Look at verse 19. Was he not most honorable of three? Therefore he was their captain. Habit he attained not unto the first three. And Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. The son of the valley men of Kabziel. Who had done mighty acts. Look he slew two lion like men of Moab. I don't know what a lion like man was. But I don't want to mess with one. He slew two lion like men of Moab. And then look what he said. He went down and also and slew a lion. In the midst of a pit, in time of snow. In the snow, he goes into a pit, kills a lion. I mean, is that a mighty man or what? Look verse 21. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. But he went down to him with a staff, and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and slew him with his own spear. This guy goes to battle with an Egyptian. He's got a stick. He's got a spear. He takes his spear and kills him with his spear. That's a mighty man. That's a well-trained warrior. Look at verse 22. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among three mighty men. You go through the rest of the passage there, it reads the names of these mighty men. Here's the point that I'm trying to explain to you. These were the most mighty warriors in Scripture. When Absalom took the kingdom of David, he was, he was counseled, hey, you don't want to go mess with, you know how those guys are that David hangs around with. Those are mighty men. Those are mighty warriors. But here's what you need to understand. How did David's mighty men begin? They began, they began as men who were running away because they were distressed, they were in debt, they were discouraged. And David said, I'll, I'll, I'll take you. Nobody wants you, nobody thinks you'll do anything, I'll take you. But see, David did not allow them to stay. He said, I'll take you, but I'll train you how to be a mighty man. He said, you're going to become into a warrior. David had one of the strongest armies that the Bible describes for us, and it came because of this, because he took those men that were running, that were hiding, that were scared. Look, I'm here to tell you, if you don't like it that Pastor Jimenez preaches about laziness, you may want to find another church, because I'm not going to stop. If you don't like it that Pastor Jimenez preaches about character, you may want to find another church, because I'm not going to stop. If you don't like it, the Pastor Jimenez preaches about hard work, about getting up, about uh, uh, working hard and, and staying up late and reading your Bible. If you don't like it that I talk about self-discipline and courage and denying your flesh and, and, and having some strength to you. You may want to find another church. I'm not going to stop. You say, why do you do that, Pastor Jimenez? Because I'm trying to take maybe some men that were in distress and debt and discouraged and turn you into a mighty man of God. Amen. You say, Pastor Jimenez, are you trying to find, do you want to try to reach a millionaire? So 
that he can finance the ministry here at Valley Baptist Church? You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to instill enough work ethic and character into you that you'll go out and start a business. You'll become the millionaire that will finance this church. If we're going to reach this community, we're going to have to reach the middle class. Jesus understood that. He said, I'm going to go to the dark. So I'm going to go to the shadows. But he said, I'm going to find the working class man that gets up every day, that has character to do the things he needs to do. And I'm going to reach that person. And I'm here to tell you, that's why we preach the way we do. You may come here as a drug addict, but you're not leaving here a drug addict. Amen. You may come here lazy, but you're not going to leave lazy. You may come here weak, but you're not going to leave weak. You're going to leave because you don't like the preaching or you're going to change, but we're going to make of you a mighty man. Thank you, God. The hope for this community is to read. Look, I want to reach the families on Northgate. Amen. But if we're going to reach the families on Northgate, we may have to reach the families on Arena Boulevard. If we're going to reach the families on Northgate, we may need some help from the families on Del Paso Boulevard. Do you understand? If we're going to do the work of the ministry, we're going to have to... Look, someone's going to have to finance this thing. The bills don't get paid in prayer. The doors go, don't get knocked in prayers. When Jesus began his ministry, he sought the working class man. And when he found them, go back to Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 23. And when he found them, what did he do? He went and reached those that couldn't help him. Verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Look where he went. Healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. Verse number 24, and his fame went through all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. Jesus chose twelve working class men, and then he went and ministered to thousands. And when Jesus ascended up to heaven, those men went into, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, they turned the world upside down. If we're going to reach this community, we're going to have to reach the middle class. If we're going to reach this community, we're going to have to reach the working man. And there are some people in this church right now that need to decide that you're going to stop being so lazy, you're going to get up and you're going to work, you're going to work. You know, you know, Jesus, you know what the schedule for work in the Bible is? It's not an American work ethic. God says you work six days from the time the sun rises to the time it goes down, and you take one day off. That's how Jesus worked. That's how God works. That's how you should work. Well, I can take Saturday off. You only need one day off. That's what God said. But what do I do on Saturday? Go soul winning. Look, there, there, there are some of you who need to just get up. Get to work. You think you're going to find a job laying in bed? It's not going to happen. The, the Bible, I mean, study, study these men in the Bible. The great men of God rose early in the morning. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor, I'm a night owl. Then stop being a night owl. Jesus wasn't. Go to bed at a decent time and get up. Read your Bible. Pray. 
Get to work. Do something. God blesses hard work. And I'm here to tell you, I'm just here to tell you, if we're going to do what we need to do, if we're going to go into this building, if we're going to purchase a property, if we're going to get more vans, if we're going to get out and reach the, the, the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're not going to do it with the homeless. We're going to have to do it with the middle class. Are you belittling the homeless? I'm not belittling the homeless. I love the homeless. I want us to get them saved. But we're going to need a force of men that work. Jesus understood that. And when he went to find his workforce, he found them at work. My kids have a book that says, I, I love it because I, I love to hear my kids say this. If you, I, I, they, they read this book and my, my, my son said, Daddy, I, I need some money. And I said, Son, you know there's a good place to go when you need money. And it's not the government. <laughs> it's work. That's right. The work of the ministry. I believe that God can use our church to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we need 12 disciples. We need men, women to stand up. You know, the people that do, the people that drive the buses here, the ladies that clean these buildings, the people that do the work around here aren't the people that are just at home doing nothing all day. They're busy with their lives. They're busy with work. They're, but there's something about people that get up and do something every day that then go on and do something for God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church, Lord. I, I pray, I pray that the message was taken in the spirit that it was meant. I'm not here to make anybody feel bad, Lord. I'm, I'm here to try to encourage people that God wants to bless us. God wants us to work. And Lord, I love going into the not-so-nice areas, because we can often get a lot of people saved. But help us to have a vision for the middle class. I know that we're going to spend twice as much time there for half the results. I know. Help us to reach the middle class. The Peters of this world need Jesus just as much as anyone else. The Pauls of this world need Jesus just like anyone else. Lord, help us to develop mighty men, spiritual soldiers, Men and women that will stand up and they'll support this ministry financially with their work ethic. That they'll go out, they'll knock the doors, they'll do the work of the ministry. Because the ministry is work. It's not easy. Father, we love you. Thank you for our church. Help us to take the steps we need to take. Lord, help us to develop character in our lives. Father, we love you in your precious name I pray. Amen.